At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. And welcome to the Author Brand Show. I'm your host today, Doug Crow, with another exceptional guest. This guy, oh my gosh, his resume is a mile long. It would probably take half the show to read this. So I'm going to give you a couple of bullet points here. They'll get right to the interview in a moment here. He's a real-life anti-hero. doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk. He grew up in the streets of L.A. with less than ideal you know, background with a lot of people. Dropped out of high school, joined the Navy, became a Navy rescue swimmer, jumping out of helicopters to save lives. Amazing stuff. Um, he also has helped a bunch of companies and corporations and leaders get on the right page, get the right thing going. Um, he's going to talk a lot about success and some of the mysteries of why the number one topic in business is leadership and people still mess it up for some reason. We're going to find out why that is here. He's worked with companies like DirecTV, Trader Joe's, um, Riot Games, Sony Pictures, um, AAG, Remitly, and many, many others. He's the author of two best-selling books called It's Never Just Business. It's about people. Love that one. And another one, The Irreverent Guide to Project Management, An Agile Approach to Enterprise Project Management. Another great title. I can't wait to hear about these books. Uh, he's a sought-after keynote speaker. Uh, lots of five-star reviews. So let's get right to it. Introduce our guest today, Mr. Jason Scott. Jason, how are you today? I'm great, Doug. I'm super happy to be here and talk about getting stuff done. Yes, absolutely. So the reason people are going to stick around for 20 minutes is we got to give them a reason to listen to us today. And before the show started, you mentioned something which I found fascinating, which was that you get you you consult with some pretty big hitters in Fortune 500 companies, and they all think they have this problem with their project management or this thing or that thing. But there's another element that comes before outputs and behaviors. And we're going to reveal that secret in just a few minutes. But before we do, I want to get more about your background, how you get involved going from rescuing people in the ocean to becoming a, a business uh, consultant, how that transition happened. Wow. Well, so I wasn't supposed to be a rescue swimmer. Um, one of the things that I loved about the the Navy was that they would they would let you volunteer to do anything you wanted to do. And so, you know, I was very curious. Uh, I had little exposure to the world, just the neighborhood that I grew up in. Yeah. And so, you know, I had a job. I was in data processing. They sent me to school for like some time and then I went to shipboard. And so I was I was yeah. on the ship. I was responsible for the data center. But then in my spare time, you know, I went to the the people that welded and they were happy to teach me how to weld. You know, I was on a supply ship, so there was fork trucks or forklifts zooming around, you know, taking pallets and mm -hmm. stringing them up to the bottom of helicopters and sending over to other ships. And so I learned how to drive a fork truck. And at one point, um, the administrators transferred the two rescue swimmers off the ship and a ship needs to, to leave port. You can only imagine how happy a captain is responsible for a ship that can't leave. Yeah. Uh, so they were sending people that didn't have ratings, meaning jobs, uh, to school, and they just kept washing out. Mm. At the time, and probably still now, Rescue Swimmer School has the second highest attrition rate next to the Navy SEALs. And yep. so the captain, mm. after three months of people not being able to get through school, like six people washed out, he opened it up to the ship. And I tried out, and I, me and this other guy, Brandon, we ran the fastest, we swam the fastest, we did the most push-ups, the most sit-ups. So we got to go to school. Uh -huh. The key in answering your question here is this. It was four months, and the whole point is they try to get you to quit. It's, yeah, it's you know, like grueling. And 
I finished and I remember finishing, graduating and thinking to myself, I can't believe I made it through rescue swimmer school. So what's the trick? The trick is simple. I just refuse to give up. Yeah. I refuse to give up. And this is the same in all experiences. I, I then apply that to myself getting stuff done, help others apply it to getting stuff done. And so yeah. ultimately I'm just very good at getting stuff done and yeah. helping other people do the same. It, it's not magical. I just happen to have a skill that is in high demand, which is getting the outcomes that people think they need. Okay, we'll, we'll get the transition in a minute. I wanna go back to rescue swing from, I had a couple of uh, PJs as, um, as clients and uh, back in the day when they were, you know, rescue, rescue swimmers for the Air Force. Um, again, people understand that you guys are, you know, not paid to take lives, you're paid to save lives, number one. It's a huge difference, Yeah, number one. And number two, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, isn't some of the th reason people wash out because you got to like hold your breath for like inordinate length of time and like almost feel like you're dying underwater and stuff or not? Oh yeah. A lot of people pass out. Yeah. A lot of people pass out. Yeah. On the, the I mean, underwater swims. Yeah. I've read some stories when they're like, they got to send a, uh, basically a rescue diver to go with you and you're testing because they, you, you hold your breath so long that you actually pass out underwater. I mean, you could drown. I mean, like yeah, I mean, you do basically, if you pass that underwater, right. It's the first step, but they pull you right out. I mean, they pull you right out. They revive you. Right. It's an exercise <laughs> in building team trust. Yeah. Yeah. It's, or, it's you know, here's the thing. This only works on young people. Like I wouldn't do that now. That's right. right? That's right. So okay. they get, they get young people that are like, I can hold my breath forever. And then you pass out and you wake up and yeah, literally, I don't remember what I was dreaming about, but I was dreaming. And then I woke up and I was on the pool deck and I was like, whoa, where am I? Oh my gosh. How, how was the longest you held your breath underwater when you're doing that stuff? Do you remember? Like uh, three minutes on average. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, Again, that... can't hold my breath for three minutes now. Well, if you had to, maybe you could, if you were forced yeah. to, you don't know. <clears throat> yeah. All right. We, so we you're can a guy... actually hold our breath yeah. much longer than our body tells us we can. Yes. You know, when you're holding your breath and that panic sets in, mm -hmm. yes. you're, you're only like 17% of the way there. You oh, can 17. I felt like it's halfway there when I, when I get tight, but 17%. No, no, like your, your, your body and your brain is smart. It takes no yeah. chances, right? Like it wants a huge margin for error, right? So <laughs> yeah. way early, it's like, Doug, dude, go up, take a breath. Yeah. Oh man, I, I watched a, a video the other day about some, per I'm a scuba diver and the person's free diving and they're going through this grotto that goes straight down for like 20, 30 meters. And like, wow. there's no way I would do that. I mean, even as a young person, I mean, to go into a grotto free diving, like if you get your fin stuck on anything, it, it's bad because no one can take, pull you out. You know, you're stuck in this tube. Ugh. All right. So anyway, back to business. So you're a, a guy that gets things done, working with some major companies here. And I hinted at the beginning of the show that there's some things that people think they need and you're telling them like, yeah, you need that. But before you do that, you need to start here. Go ahead and tell us what that is. All right. So there's, there's a couple of things. Mm -hmm. The only time I get a call is when there's a, there's a leader in a company yeah. that's not getting the outcomes that they feel like they need. People are busy. People are doing work, yeah. but they're not getting the outcomes 
um, that they're promising or that they need. Mm -hmm. And they'll usually call me and say, hey, I've got a project management problem. I've got a product management problem. I've got like an agile problem or, mm -hmm. you know, I have a productivity problem. Can you, I've got a bunch of managers and their teams just aren't delivering what they say they're going to deliver when they think they're going to deliver. Mm -hmm. And here's, here's the thing that I know after 23 years, first and foremost, they're calling me and telling me their team is struggling with their black belts, right? Like everybody thinks, oh, project management, it, that's a discipline. Product management, it's a discipline. Just like being a medical doctor, that's a discipline, right? Sure. And so before you can master those things, you have to have a culture that has discipline, trust, transparency, and accountability. So I know okay. that's where their problem starts. The second thing is that human beings fundamentally want to be successful. And I'm going to prove this right now to you and your audience. Okay. I've asked this question thousands of times, small audiences. Lar I love it when I've got an audience of three or 400 people in person. I ask this question just to popcorn it out and they, they start shouting out a one word emotion. Sure. Doug, I, I want you to remember the time that a manager somewhere in your career asked you to do, said, hey, Doug, I th we, want, we need to do this thing. And I think it's you, this is your expertise. And you were like, yes. And they were like, will you do this? And you were excited about the opportunity. You were like, yes, I will do that. And then they said, they asked a rookie question. They, they asked you, do you understand everything you need to do to get this done? Here's the deal. You understand something from what they said, but in asking that yes or no question, they don't really know what you understand. So you said, yes, I do. I know how to do it. I have everything I need. You went away. You worked really hard for like three days. You were really excited about what you built. Mm -hmm. You brought it in, dropped it on their office, and even threw in a little woo, there it is. And they looked at it and they looked at you and they started shaking their head and they looked at it again and they looked at you and they said the worst possible thing that they could say, Doug, this isn't what I asked for. And you're thinking, yep, yes, it is. That's exactly what you asked for. I want you to re remember and share with me a one word emotion for how you felt in that moment. It's hard for me because I haven't worked for anybody else in a long time. But you let a customer Maybe my dad went working for him. Maybe he, he gave me some shame on something. Um, I, I probably felt like crap. Um, terrible. Yeah. Right. Terrible. Yeah. Like crap. Terrible. A lot. Yeah. Most of the words that I get are shame related, embarrassed, sure. humiliated. Right. Nobody ever says, I don't care. Oh, I was happy. It's <laughs> they feel bad. Fundamentally, this proves human beings at home with their friends at work, mm -hmm. they want to be successful. But as managers, we are tied to that failure or their success. And so what happens is that happens to us now as the manager, even though when it was us, we felt terrible. We got it wrong. We didn't mean to get it wrong. We wanted to get it right. They drop it on our desk. We look at it and we're like, they weren't listening. We jumped to attack. They didn't care. Slacker, right? <laughs> But here's right. the thing. None of those things are true. It's just we are wired to blame. Brene Brown says blame is the discharging of dysfunction and pain. If it's your fault, Doug, I don't have to feel bad. But it has an mm. inverse relationship with accountability. So you have to ask yourself, where was the breakdown, right? This human being wants to be successful. So they call me up and they tell me they have this problem right. with productivity. And they want me to address the productivity. They want me to address the project management, the product management, the operations management. They have a productivity problem. But here's the deal. Vision drives behavior. Behavior is the productivity. Okay. And the behavior drives the outcomes. Right. The behavior is driven by what those human beings think will make them successful. They're doing what they think they've been asked to do. 99.9% ah, of the time. Mm -hmm. So they come to me and they say, I have a performance problem, but I already know you have a vision problem, right? And you probably have a trust 
transparency, uh, or a discipline, trust, transparency, and accountability problem. Yeah. Right. So it starts with let's address what you're asking for. And I can give you such a simple example that just happened to me over the last couple of weeks. So my, my head of marketing, Andrew McGuire, he's an incredibly talented guy. Like he, his ideas are amazing. The, the, he, he, he creates narratives that matter to people, yeah. making them aware of the possibilities and inspiring them to action. His design work, I mean, I can't say enough about him. And it, here's, this is important. So I, and like, I, we're friends. We're, we're, I'd say we're family, right? I mean, we're not actually related, but you get yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like six months ago for one of our brands, right? 120 is the get stuff done brand, but we also, in addition to helping other companies, we we ourselves have launched multiple brands. Sure. So we've got an outdoor company that outfits vehicles and boats for uh, extended exploration. Mm -hmm. And we have, you know, branded swag, right? We sell apparel. So we've got yeah. these black V-neck t-shirts with that say next jump outfitters in white lettering on them. And you know, here's the thing, the white lettering on the black shirt doesn't look good on me, right? I want, I don't want to wear that. And so, but I do want to wear our stuff. So six months ago, I went to him and I said, Hey, can we do like a, like a gray instead of the, like mm -hmm. the white on the black? Can we do it? And he was like, sure, we could do it. And I, you know, I said, look, I know you've got a lot on your plate right now. Work it in. Right. But the ask I asked, it's like an hour's worth of work. Yeah. And also we have a, sh we have a shop vehicle that is like that. They, my team calls Ford Mageddon. It's like an F-350 all overlanded out. I Ford mean, it's Mageddon. ridiculous. It's like, but it's a, yeah, it's a dry, it's a driving billboard. Right. Nice. And it's got like a wrap on it that says next jump outfitters, except it's dark gray and the wrap is black. Andrew didn't get this one exactly right. Sorry, Andrew, if you're listening. So you can't see it. Like you're driving around, you oh, have to yeah. be up really close to see no it contract. or certainly you yeah. can't see it. So I said, and while you're at it, redesign the wrap for the vehicle that is our, you know, our driving billboard. Yeah. He says, no problem. Six months goes by. And you know, like every week we sit and we align on priorities mm -hmm. and strategies and he's, he's getting stuff done. He's working new stuff in. And never is he making this thing that I, the founder of the company, asked for a priority. And so here's the deal, the little baby in me, I had a moment where I wasn't being the best leader to myself. Okay. I'm walking my own ladder of inference and I'm like, what is the problem? Like, how, why isn't he prioritizing these simple little things that I asked for? And then I stopped myself and I said, dude, vision drives behavior, behavior drives outcome. Yeah. Getting people to sign up requires that we address who, what, by when. When you ask somebody for something that doesn't have a deadline, what priority is it? It's their last priority, That's right. That's okay? Right. So instead of going to him and being like, giving the big speech, like, dude, can you prioritize my stuff? It's been six months. I feel like, you know, you know what most, which is what most managers would do, Yeah. right? And some would be cool about it. Some would be toxic about it, like whatever it is, but they're, they're feeling like their needs aren't being met and they, they want their needs to be met, right? You know what yeah. I did? I called them and I said, hey, um, you know, like the season, we're in the season, you know, like people are buying outdoor gear. They weren't buying outdoor gear in October. Like we really need the truck to be rebranded so people can see it. Um, can you get the, can you get the design updated today? Now, I didn't expect him to say yes. That's a ridiculous request anytime. Hey, you're a busy person. I'm going to call you in the middle of the day, like afternoon and ask yeah. you if you could do something you didn't plan on doing today. I want you to know. I knew I was asking for something knowing he was going to say no. But if I had said, can I have it two weeks from now? I'm setting, I'm sending a vision of two. It's not urgent enough to be today. It's urgent for two weeks, right? Because what am I doing? I'm just reestablishing the, the vision. 
And by the way, I'm using a simple example yeah. because people think people think vision. Oh, that's what Elon Musk does. No, this is what leaders do all the time. Vision drives behavior, behavior drives outcomes. So I said, he, he said, you know what, Jay, I can't, I can't get it done today, which I totally expected. He said, you know what, though, I can get the design updated tonight. We can look at it. I can get it to the shop tomorrow. And yeah. I'll tell you what, that's way better than I, I was expecting. He could have said a week from now. He sure, could have said right. next week. But and he did it. He got it updated. We reviewed it the next day. It went off to the shop. It wasn't getting done because the vision, it just wasn't important. Yes. It's important enough to be on my list, but it's not as important as everything else. I call him up and say, hey, can you get this done today? I've now communicated. This is very important. He then established his own deadline. Got he it. felt safe to say, you know, no, I can't really today. And if I had said, well, why not? I know what he's working on. Yeah, right. I know what he's working on. So I don't even need to ask the question. If I'm not sure like what he's working on, I might say, why not? And then he'd tell me, well, this big thing, this big thing, this big thing. And you know what? Leaders think, hey, they want their team members to tell them why they can't do the thing because maybe they're going to find something that's not really a priority. Nine yeah. times out of 10, your team members know what the priorities yeah, are. Yeah, right. Right? So in this case, I was like, today. He was like, no, but by tomorrow. And I was like, thank you. High five. And I'm, I got yeah. what I needed by adjusting the narrative. Okay. I'm curious because my first thought is you're asking a question you already know the answer to. It's going to be a negative. Why wouldn't you just say, when can you get it done? Yes. Here's the thing. Because, and this is, this is a really good question. I always advise the leader to establish the urgency because okay. how often because a lot of managers will ask that question. Hey, we've been talking about this for six months. When can you get it done? They're going to do the math and give themselves as much runway as right. possible because they don't want to let you down. Not because they're slackers, but they want to make a commitment. They want to be successful. It, yeah. And so more often than not, they will give you a date that you don't like. And now you're like, hmm, yeah. you're in a bad position because you yeah. asked them when they could get it done. And now you're going to try to talk them into doing wow. it sooner. Are you setting them up for success? So. I didn't expect it to be done today. I didn't necessarily want it to be done today. I said, can you get it done today? I didn't say do it today. I didn't even say I needed it today. I said, can yeah. you get it done today? Establishing how urgent it is to me. It's urgent enough that I, my preference is that we get it today. If I'd said, hey, can you get it done within the next two weeks? That's a yeah. different level of urgency than can sure. you get it done today? It's like as a leader, you shouldn't tell, you shouldn't pretend that people have a choice that they don't have. Once I made a mistake, I was teaching a class, like a workshop, virtually. And usually I build the content to where noon in whatever time zone I'm in, we could take yeah. a half an hour break for lunch, right? So we whip through the content and it's like 1130 my time. And I, I look, this is a good time in the content to break for lunch, but it's only 1130. It's not noon. I say to the group, hey, is is can is now is it okay if we break for lunch right now it's a good time to break yeah. right instead of waiting for noon here's what happened one of the students said i'd rather wait until noon and you know what i said first of all i felt super foolish yeah and i, I said you know what i'm sorry it really in the curriculum because yeah. i'm the one that knows right. in the curriculum it doesn't make any sense we're gonna break now and I stewed over this the whole yeah, lunchtime. Like, you're, what you're, terrible leadership. So here's what I did. When we mm. came back on at noon, instead of 1230, we came back on at noon. I apologized to the individual and I explained the same thing to the class. I didn't exhibit 
great leadership just then. I I made it look like you had a choice yeah, that you didn't right. have, that you didn't have. It would have been better for me to say, hey, listen, we're going to break now. Yep. Here's why. Yeah. Instead of offering a choice and somebody then accepted my offer, which wasn't real, wasn't bad leadership. Real. Again, vision drives behavior. I made an offer. That was the vision. Yeah. She wanted to take me up on the offer. I, it <laughs> Sorry. led to an outcome I didn't want. Right. <laughs> that is a great example because most people think, like you said, vision is like the big grand picture. It could be something as simple as a lunch break. That's uh, that's very interesting. I mean, I can give you much more grandiose examples, but why? No, I right? like Then how do you one. translate that back to your daily work as a leader or manager? Right, right. So speaking of stories, I want to hear a story about um, one of your one of your more you know clients we might know about, whether it's the uh, you know Remitly or the other big ones you've worked with, a um, uh, bunch of big companies. So is there anything there that um, a good story of, of leadership that you thought, oh, they really, I really helped them out with this one? Okay, but staying on the same topic, vision drives yeah. behavior, behavior yeah, yeah, drives outcomes. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So one of the big mistakes that I, organizations make is that when they have a project, something that spans you know groups, different groups, different organizations, yeah. even big enough to span ven involve vendors, right? Mm -hmm. You assign a project manager to this project, and then that project manager pulls subject matter experts out of each of these groups, their day jobs, to, mm -hmm. because of their expertise to work on this project. Right. The way that this usually works is the executives from on high come and say, we need to, this is a big one in IT, yeah. we need to go to the cloud. Well, yeah, right. here's the thing, why? They don't say why. The executive probably knows why, but these team members are like, okay, all right, so I'm a server person and I am going to be a future cloud person and you're asking me to work on this go to the cloud thing. Hey, first question, do I still have to do my day job? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. And then there, there's a whole bunch of people at the end of this project because, again, our organizations are optimized for the results that they're getting. The only way for organizations to get different results is if the humans in their organization go about doing their jobs differently. So it's never about deploying the stuff, like going to the cloud. It's, hey, how is going to the cloud going yeah. to enable the human beings in our company to do their jobs differently? And here's the thing, when you ask people to work on something, do extra work, and they don't understand how it's solving a problem that they have, you, they're just not going to go very well. Yeah. And then you're going to ask people to change. This is the deal. Human beings want to be successful. And so we go to them and we say, hey, listen, it's been great, but mm. the organization needs to get different results. So we're going to deploy this thing. We need you to use it to do your job differently. And they're thinking, yeah, but I don't know how to be successful doing my job differently with this new thing. I mean, frankly, man, Outlook just deployed an update. Yeah. Outlook just deployed an update and where calendar was on my smartphone is now an apps button. So for the last two days, I go to open my calendar. It takes me to this app thing and I'm frustrated. Why? Because I'm not successfully opening my calendar. I want to successfully open my calendar. So I stop, I look at it and I go, Ugh, they moved it. And then I hit the calendar button. Now here's the thing. It's fine. It's a little tiny frustration of my wow. success a week from now. I'll be, I'll hit the right yep. button. I'll know where the button is. It's totally fine. But in between now and then I'm feeling frustrated by my ability to yeah. get into my calendar. Simple example, right? So think a large example. Hey, we're going to change the way you do your job. Do you want that? No, no, nobody wants that. Yeah. So how does it, how does this solve a problem that they think they have? Because if it solves a problem that they think they have, yes. back to vision drives behavior, mm -hmm. drives outcomes, they'll volunteer 
Okay, so here's an example. Um, one of my favorite customers, uh, because their mission is to help people and they walk the talk. These are good people in this company, right? Like yeah. all companies say, hey, their people are, are yeah. their most important asset. But then you're like, but that's not how you behave. Mm -hmm. That's how they behave in this company. So they're, this company is called ResMed. They're the, they're the leading sleep apnea uh, solutions provider globally. Yeah. And um, the CIO, this was a while back, said to me, you know, we were talking about things that were frustrating his team's ability to be successful. And he said, hey, I've got this, I've got this uh, project where we're going to migrate from ServiceNow, which is a customer service platform, to VMC, which is a customer service platform. And really quick in my head, I was like, no, that's that's what you're going to do, but not why you're going to do it. And I mm -hmm. need to understand mm -hmm. to help you, like, why you're going to do it. You know, it's like, it, I mean, Doug, do you own a quarter-inch drill bit? I know. Yeah, of course. I want the you know whole, where this is going, yeah. right? You want the whole, not the bit, right? But everybody yeah. owns a quarter inch drill bit, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I service now to, to BMC and it's a global company. And I quickly, in my mind, do the math. I'm thinking, you know, this is probably going to cost a million dollars, take a year and a half. All yeah. the people in the call center are going to have to do all this work retraining, to yeah. get the old stuff to the new stuff. Ugly, then they're going to have to retrain. Expensive. Yeah. Yeah. All doing all while doing their day job. So I, I ask in the why, one of the things that comes up is that, they're trying to improve the business's perception of the quality of their support. Mm -hmm. And I right and now I'm on to something because this is where this is the why. Why right? you're trying to Bingo. give your customer what they're asking for, mm -hmm. right? So we talk, 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 and he says, you know, we've been struggling, you know, for like nine months. We're working with the experts in the call center to come up with a way, and it's just constantly the obstacles are un, uh, un, un overcome. They can't be overcome. The, the, yeah. the, the yeah. obstacles are too great. Okay. And I was like, okay, here's what I think you're saying. You're, I think you're saying you want to deploy a system that will enable your call center team to provide a concierge like customer service. And this is what the business is asking for. He said, exactly. I said, so first of all, let's call it that. Let's call it like, let's say that the project is to deliver a system yep. that will enable your team to provide a concierge like customer service. Because here's the thing if I make a list of the tasks to migrate from ServiceNow to BMC, and I make a list of tasks to deliver a system that will provide a concierge like customer service. They're similar tasks, yeah. but there's also very different tasks. I'd say maybe 50% of the tasks are the same. The other 50% are completely different, right? The objective mm. is different. The vision drives behavior. It drives outcomes. So the other yeah. thing too is then, and I said, you know what? Let's, let's go and ask, let's go talk to the call center people. We're going to ask five questions. Yeah. He said, he said, okay, we went and we asked them, first hey you know you guys have been working for three years to improve the business's perception right i assume you guys are all working hard and no matter how hard you work you can't get more than two out of five stars how's that feel Ooh. people shared frustrate like they yeah. want to be successful doug yep one person raised their hand and said you know one of their complaints is they don't know who to call they don't know how to get a hold of us the number's been the same for 15 years Ooh. right just wow, frustration. And of course they're feeling frustration because I know they want to be successful. And yeah. in the face of this frustration, they're being asked to migrate service now to BMC. So oh then I, yeah. I asked another question. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're fine. Oh, okay, I, I thought it cut off. No. All right, then I asked another question and that question was, have any of you guys ever worked previously in a call center where you had tools that you don't have here that act, that you feel like helped you get the five out of five star reviews. Yeah. Maybe there was like 40 people in this conversation, like five people. So they, here's the thing. 
and I asked them to tell me about the tool. So they described the features. They uh -huh. described the functionality in front of all the other people. So they're hearing, mm -hmm. oh, hey, here's a system that does X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. right? So five people share their experiences about a time where they had a system that did X, Y, and Z. This is very powerful because they're telling me there is demand for this kind of system, yep. mm -hmm. right? And the other people are hearing there is a solution to our woes. Yeah. Then I asked this question. I said, hey, for the rest of you, can you think of a time over the last six months where having tools like that would have improved a situation, a call with a customer? People said, yeah. And I said, no, no, no. Tell me about the call. <laughs> Tell me about the time. Every single person had a story. Oh, my. And as they're telling stories, here's what they're doing. They're proving that there is demand for Beautiful. a system that will pr solve this thing, right? Yeah. And so the last question was, well, hey, if we were to launch a project to build such a system, who would volunteer to help? Everybody raise their hands. I love it. You know, people right? skip the, the internal sales portion. You've got to, you know, whatever you want to call it. But getting that buy-in is, is so interesting. You know, it reminds me of that other story that um, I've heard, you've heard plenty a hundred times that the guy walked up the three bricklayers, you know, that one. Oh, I and love, I use that one at the beginning of one of my talks. Yes. Yeah. It's exactly what you're talking about here. What are you doing? I'm laying bricks. That second guy, what are you doing? I'm making 10 bucks an hour. Third guy, I'm building a cathedral. So you're actually um, helping them build their cathedral at a call center. I love it. Well, and the part is the, the most productive one, the one that had the highest wall, that mm -hmm. it built the highest wall is the one that was building a cathedral because yeah. he was building it in service for his God yeah. Almighty. Yeah. Exactly. Vision drives behavior. And this visionary leadership thing, it's as simple as stop focusing on the quarter inch drill bit. Nobody cares, right? Yeah. Stop focusing on building a wall. Nobody cares. Mm -hmm. What's your cathedral? What real problem that people care about are you trying to yeah. solve? That's your vision. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, and it's funny thing in terms of, you know, management, leadership, um, even my own company, I've asked people like, you know, what, what drives you? And most people think it's money. It's not always money. Sometimes it's, no, I, I make it plain money. I need recognition. Um, I want to learn something. There's always other drivers that people, that management tends to overlook a lot, I think. You, Here, you know. Most entrepreneurs, right? Because we start our vision, we start our companies. Yeah. Most of us do it because we're obsessed with the vision, the thing. Yeah. I'm the I'm the yeah. same way. Like I really, yeah. I feel like helping people get the outcomes that they think they need creates a better quality of life for them. Sure. So I'm actually helping improve people's quality of life. I'm solving burnout. People that are winning don't feel burned out, yeah. right? Winning teams they don't feel burned out. People are like, hey, yeah. can you come give a talk on burnout, work life balance? I'm like, all my talks are on that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Lovely. Um, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, Jason, give me some of your, um, your best tips for people who are facing this issue of like, how do I shift the culture of my company? How do I improve my team's buy-in? What's the uh, one key takeaway you can uh, leave us with today? Well, instead of telling people that you mm -hmm. need to do something, right? right? Which is how we see it in the movies. The leader just walks out and says, yeah. here's what we're going to do. And everybody goes, ah, and then they follow. Yeah. That's actually not how it works. When you have an idea, go ask them, go ask them, ask them questions. Hey, yeah. if we had this, would it solve a problem that you've experienced in the last six months? Yeah. Let them tell you how to build the vision. You it. ask enough questions, you're going to get enough input to come back with a pitch that they buy into, right? right. So we, we're taught that we have to be the ones that come up with it. It's got to yeah. be our idea. Here's the thing. 
come up with a draft and don't be so cocky about it. Go ask questions and see if it solves a problem that people think they have. If you ask them questions and their answers tell you you're not solving a problem that they think they have, ask different questions. Yeah. And ultimately, if you can never ask a question that where people give you feedback, where you're solving a problem they think they have, don't do it. My half of my mission is to get people to cancel projects. They're, they're uh, all, the most people are thinking, hey, we could get more done if we add people. No, you add people, you're adding complexity. Mm -hmm. yeah. 50, if not 60% of what most people are working on doesn't matter. It's just busy work. It hasn't been properly rationalized. That so in this revisioning through. thing, the first thing that I do in the revisioning, if we can't figure out how it improves customer satisfaction, team member satisfaction, or profitability without being at the expense of the mm -hmm. other three, mm -hmm. right? If they can't convince me if they can't get me to be their first follower, get me to sign up like this matters, I get them to cancel it. Yeah. Freeing them up to focus on the things that do matter. Absolutely. That's that is great advice. How do people get a hold of you if they can uh, they can uh, want to chat with you or get your book or something? What do you want to give them away today? Uh, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, okay. If they uh, you know they just let me let me know you you heard me on Doug's show. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my books, both my books are for sale on Amazon, easy to get to the Amazon. Um, yep. If you guys are interested in overlanding or off-roading or cool boats and adventures, check us out at, at Next Jump Outfitters on Instagram. Nice. Okay. We'll put all those links in the show notes below, Jason, so they can go ahead and click any of those things there. But thank you so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. Oh, God, my pleasure, Doug. Zoom high five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. That concludes our show for today with the amazing Jason Scott. Great intel, great uh, perspective there. Do check his books out below, his LinkedIn profile. I mentioned the show if you have a reason to connect. Appreciate that so much. And hope you had a good time. We'll see you in the next show. This is Doug Coe, and hope you had a great day. Bye-bye.